slower, Hedge. I can go slower, Hedge. Come on down and chump some of this shit. Welcome, Shark Bait, to Geek Salad episode 159. Who is Sally and why does she love Mexico? For those of you playing at home, that's what's called a deep cut. That yes. Is, that is way deep. That is way deep. Um, I'm Andy. I'm Mike. And I'm Joe. And we don't have Catherine tonight because she was busy and tired. <laughs> Which is fine. It's been a trying week for everybody. Yeah, it's been yeah. a long week. Yeah, so we're going to... We're going to bang this out. By bang this out, I mean talking about all of the films that Steven Spielberg has directed. <laughs> and it is quite wait, the oeuvre. Uh, Steven Spielberg or Sonia Spielberg? No, we're not going with his Mexican non-union equivalent, <laughs> Mike. Get me Steven Spielberg. He's unavailable. Then get me his non-union Mexican equivalent. Listen, Senior Spielbergo, I want you to do for me what Spielberg did for Oscar Schindler. Uh, Schindler es bueno. Senor Burns es el diablo. Listen, Spielbergo, Schindler and I are like peas in a pod. We're both factory owners. We both made shells for the Nazis, but mine worked, damn it. Oh, God. It always, uh, it, know, as Jonna said, it always comes back to The Simpsons. You know what? <laughs> this week might not be a good time to bring up The Simpsons. No, no. <laughs> Thanks for ruining that, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, oh, you yeah. fucking snowflakes. Anyway, yes, we are talking about uh, the very, very extensive. extensive career, directing career of Mr. Steven Spielberg. Or possibly the greatest director that's ever lived. I would say he's up there. Yeah, yeah, no, you mean community. In terms yes. of, of, of modern day movies, Absolutely. I mean, I mean, he created the blockbuster. Right. He created the blockbuster. And when you ask even a non-movie person, name a director. Oh, the first one that comes to mind is Steven is, Spielberg. It's Steven Spielberg. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. Unless you're like my uh, one of my co-workers who keeps going to the guy who did Sicario. I mean, so apparently it, that guy does nothing but direct I mean, just, movies. Just, all be, just before, I mean, before we kind of get into the weeds of it, because I know we got to blow through all these, it's like, in terms of like volume and just sheer number... And just basically the feeling you get when you watch one of his movies. I think a good argument could be made that Steven Spielberg is one of the greatest. But I think you're also going to see a lot of pushback from people who think like uh, De Palma, Scorsese, you know, that kind of group yeah. of... Film nerds are are kind of loathe to admit that Steven Spielberg yes. is a great yes. director. Yes, um, And that is coming from a film nerd um, who I don't... I don't. I don't feel that way at all. I think Steven Spielberg has a very good eye. He is a very, very good director. And as we go down this list, you'll see how that directing matures. Well, yeah. the, the the thing for the, that I get from quote unquote film nerd is that 
for a directly considered great, they have to be a, an auteur. Right. You know, and any whiff of commercialization, which you have to say to Spielberg, he's not, he doesn't shy away from commercial right. big no, budget yeah. projects. He created you know? them. He right. created them. So for a lot of film nerds, that kind of is a disqualifier. It's like, well, he did, he's, he's a big buck blessed director. He's not an auteur. Right. Yeah, he made a couple of good, you know, highfalutin movies, but... He won a couple of Oscars doing serious stuff. Oh, and uh, excuse me, by the way, the sound that you hear there is me opening up our uh, Reese's Chips Ahoy. Because Reese's Pieces. Because Reese's Pieces and Reese's Peanut Butter, and none of us are allergic, so there. Yeah. About last year, um, sometime last year, I think, or earlier this year, uh, HBO released a documentary called Spielberg, mm. and it is in- incredible. Honestly, I think it could have stood to been two parts. Yeah. They skipped a lot. Yeah. But, um, they skipped some very important movies, I think. But they also give you a real a real grasp about like, where he came from, how he grew up. Stuff I did not know. And um, like when he first burst on the theme, he was, he was a, uh, basically a prodigy. Mm. Yeah, when he, he he came out, he came out swinging, and everyone like all the like the quote unquote you know critics and all the other filmmakers, the auteurs were like, "Who is this guy? Why is he making these movies? He he's not a real filmmaker. He makes the lowbrow stuff." Have you seen Jaws? Yeah. Well, we're gonna get into that. We are a few movies ahead of us though. Yeah. All right. So shall we start the list? Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. And I gotta grab because what we're gonna do is our Facebook feedback. It's gonna be a little. Um, it's gonna be a little like scattered here, and the primary reason why um, is because it kind of ties into everything. And there's so many movies to talk about. We just need to get moving now. So um, the first movie we're gonna talk about is one that Pete Callahan writes to be his uh, first effort. Is always overlooked, but I think it's a great film. And that is 1971's Duel, that, which was a TV movie for TV, yeah. ABC. I believe it was ABC. Yeah, yeah. Back in nineteen, in the early seventies, when Dennis Weaver was considered a celebrity, <laughs> when, he ever seen, when he was considered a list. All right. You ever seen this movie? Uh, I, I've, I've seen snippets of it. Yeah, me I too. I haven't sat, actually sat through it and watched yeah. it. I mean, I watched the ending because well, I, I knew how it ended. And, yeah, but I, I wanted to see that um, before this, and um, it. I mean. In fact, they, they talk about the ending in that documentary. Right. About how, you know, the studio wanted it to blow, wanted the truck to blow up at the end. And Spielberg was like, if it blows up, I'm not letting him put this movie on the air. Because <laughs> he, he wanted to see it just crumble. To, and he wanted oil. the truck to die. He yes. wanted the oil to drip like blood. He yeah. wanted that to be visceral. Yeah. Um, honestly. Watching what I've seen in this movie, I'm shocked he didn't get his start with Roger Corman. This is all the earmarks of like Death Mark, uh, Death, Death Race 2000, like which was Ron Howard's feature film direct. You know, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, was it? No, Death, well, Death no. Race 2000 was a little later than than Duel, right? It's like but it's like there are all these movies that Corman produced. For up and coming directors, and Ron yeah, Howard B, has one of those yeah, movies in yeah, there. B, yeah. B movies, yeah, B, you know exactly, and that's what this is. It's Saturday like, night, Saturday afternoon matinees. The guy who directed this movie would you would never know that he is still making prolific Best Picture nominees today. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, you, the, there's no inkling of it, you know. All right, all right. So the next film 
1974's The Sugarland Express. His first, his official first, first cinematic movie. Yeah. No, I haven't never seen it. I haven't, I haven't either. Um, it started with uh, uh, Goldie Hawn. Yeah, Goldie Hawn. So, all right. So when we are, we have to park at for a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. 1975's Jaws. I, I rewatched this one again this last week, and it is probably in my top five movies of all time. Yeah. Poss- now, possibly in my top three. Now, I will say this. You know, as, as Star Wars fans, we're, you know, we're hypersensitive to the news about movies and stuff like that. And we're, you know, we all, we're all aware of the issues with, like, Rogue One and, and Han so- and then the Solo movie, right? Uh, if ever there's a movie that proves the the adage that you can turn shit into gold, it's Jaws. Yeah, yeah. Because all the problems that this movie had during production, this movie was saved worked, in the editing room. Oh, well, he yeah. worked, and then what, he was able to work around it and make a classic. It's right. a classic. It's the, iconic. The, there's a reason Verna Fields won uh, the Academy Award for this movie for best editing. Right. She she saved this movie big time. It is. Yeah, it was just do more with less. Yeah, yeah. and I, they had no choice. They had no choice. Right, the, the fun- shark Bruce would not work. The, the funny thing is, the <laughs> oh, and I love hearing that story a thousand the times from Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, but the funny thing is, like the, the studio executives who greenlit this movie, uh, they they've said in an interview that if they had read the book a second time. They would have never greenlit the movie because <laughs> uh, was it is that Paramount or was that no that was Universal yeah. Universal okay. Because, I was going to say, because if it was 20th Century Fox, maybe we would never have gotten uh, Star Wars. And, right. And also, I think if uh, Spielberg had been a little bit more skilled, he would have known, you don't try and film on the on the ocean. Because that is just a whole mess of problems. Well, you think you about it. I mean, that's his third, it was his third, yeah, or second theatrical release. Is that second third, theatrical yeah. release. And also, let's be honest, we're from the Northeast. We know how shitty those waters are to be yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is Fucking cold. Uh, off of off of Martha's Martha uh, Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard. Off yeah, the cave. it's fucking cold. Yeah, all the time all in the, the summer. Yeah. Um, I mean, because I've heard stories of other movies like the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, where no, they filmed on the Caribbean, though. Yeah, they no, well, they also filmed though on the ocean. Oh. Never shoot on water. Yeah. Make, use the tank. Yeah. Use the goddamn tank. That's what it's for. Yeah, give James Cameron t- credit. He did both a Titanic and a tank. And a tank, yeah. A big tank. A big tank, but it's a tank. Still. Um, but this, I mean, this movie has, it has everything. Suspense, Richard Dreyfuss. And the characters. Is, oh, yeah. And the thing is, it's, I first saw this movie when I was a kid. I was like eight, nine years old. And it scared the shit out of me. I wouldn't oh, go yeah. into the water for like a year. Yeah. We had a freshwater beach and I wouldn't even go into it. Yeah. Oh, I, I wouldn't even go into a swimming pool. Yeah. But because again, but because of the the issues with production, it was it, it it is a textbook like lesson in building suspense. Less is more. You don't show the monster until the last second, right? Type I mean, of thing. And the, I mean, the funny thing is, like you know, you know, everyone knows the giant shark. You know, the shark attacking them. That's that's you know stands out. But the scene, the specific scenes that really punch and make and really make an impact are two that I can think of. One, obviously the Indianapolis speech. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah. Sometimes that shark, he looks right into you, right into your eyes. You know the thing about a shark, he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. When he comes at you, he doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. And those black eyes roll over white and then 
Oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. The ocean turns red, and in spite of all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in and they rip you to pieces. And second, when when Roy Scheider, when Brody is in it, you know, he's just been slapped by the mother. Yeah. He's just sitting there at the kitchen table, and his son is, like, mimicking him. Yep. Yeah. And they're doing that little scene, and that's such a just wonderful character moment that you don't get in these big horror movies nowadays. Well, yeah, exactly. And and the, and the thing is, you, you, but you also see in this movie, you, you, you see uh, uh, Spielberg liberally borrowing techniques from other great directors. Right. right. Like Hitchcock. Right. You know, the zoom, what is, what's it called? The, like the zoom. Oh, oh yeah. The, uh, the, the zoom flare. The, 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 the it's the, oh, the, the, what, when you're changing pers- the like you when you're changing the perspective and zooming in at the right. same time. Essentially, yeah. it's a um, it's a combination of using a track shot. You're you're, you're moving the camera and pulling the fo- the, the zoom right, exactly. at the same time. Yeah. And what happens like, is you get that great that great shot where uh, Brody is sitting on, on the beach, beach and, and he sees the sh- the shark eat the Kittner kid, yeah. and it just and then the music. Now, here's the thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, the music. I remember the first time I ever saw Jaws was in eighth grade music class with Dale Robert, who's my really? music teacher. Yes. Um, because she wanted to teach us the importance of music. Mm-hmm. So she put it on and said, okay, we're watching Jaws. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't go back. You know, I can't, I can't go back, back to my freshwater beach or use a toilet for a week. <laughs> um, but she's like, okay. I'm going to turn the music, I'm going to turn the sound all the way down, and I just want you to watch it for five minutes. Mm-hmm. And all they do is they show just the scene with Chrissy running, going in the water, getting pulled down, and then, you know, getting, you know, tossed right. around, and that's, that's right. it. And then it cuts to the guy passed out. Yeah. All right? Yeah. That's all we watched. Then she's like, okay, you, you can tell what's happening. How do you feel? Um... So then she turned the music on. She, we went back and we listened to it, and the music, yeah, oh god, just yeah. makes it. And then we did the same thing again with um, what's his name's boat? Quint. Quint. Not Quint. Oh, uh, oh, oh, uh, Ben Gardner. Ben Gardner's boat. Yeah, the burnt one. The one that's the one that yeah, the one body. So yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that so out. then yeah, yeah. Hooper goes goes down. No sound. Head pops out. Do it again. That that just that shock of music. Like, uh! I mean, that's the thing. I mean, and the, and the thing is, every every piece of suspense music since then is like a riff. emulated. It's a yeah. riff of that, the, and even the, that is essentially the, uh, emulating cycle. Bernard Herrmann. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that for for most of the movie, that score, that theme. Is what represents the shark. The shark. The, th- the theme is the character right. of the shark. You can't see the shark. You, you may as well hear the shark. And yeah. this is how you're hearing the shark. And that's that's why like it's kind of funny. Um, uh, when Quince got the uh, got the fishing pole, yeah. and it starts clicking. That's why I don't think that was the actual shark because there is no music. Right. There, the, the theme does not play during that scene. Right. Yeah. But that's only after you've watched it a thousand times. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. If you don't own this movie on Blu-ray. God's oh, sakes, run out and go Ray. get it. The Blu-ray is such a it's great cut. Gorgeous. Oh, it is gorgeous. It is a gorgeous piece. And, and I you, remember and you, and you think it would you think it would not hold up. Right. But it does. Oh, it, it, it does. It, Even it, on Blu-ray, high def Blu-ray, it holds up. And you're like, wow. Yeah. Like like Star Wars, you know, when I got the Star Wars Blu-ray, there's some scene, it's like 
Okay. You notice how dirty it is. You notice how dirty it is, but you also, you know, me being being a model builder and stuff like that, you you can I can really tell. Yeah. With high depth. Yeah, that's a model. I can really tell. Yeah. Jaws does a pretty good job again because you got to work with yeah you got to work with less you have to work around the deficiencies of the shark and everything else. It works. The shark really only looks fake. When you towards the it. end, when and you're it. actually looking at it, it's just like flailing around. They're trying to get the barrels in his yeah. mouth. The, f- the funny thing is, though, uh, I, I've heard I've heard that Spielberg, I guess like uh, like Benchley was like complaining about uh, Spielberg about the the, the tank at mm-hmm. the end, blowing up the yeah. tank. And Spielberg basically told him, "If I've taken, if I've brought him this far." I can take them anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, but, but the guy. You, I mean, the guy. He's a genius. A genius. Yeah. You don't. You don't care that the shark looks fake because you're already invested in the movie, right? And you you want Shine or Brody to survive. Yeah. And smile, you son of a bitch. bitch. Yeah. Dude, that is one of the best ending lines ever. Well, not ending lines, but right. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. I do. I do think it's funny though that you know they gotta use the barrel and kick back. <laughs> miles away from, from shore. shore. I mean, where another well, shark is waiting for 15, them. Fifteen, twenty miles. No, away. No, remember, they were they were already. He, Quint was pushing the ship. The, the ship back. The, yeah, you could actually see the shore right. in the okay. final bit. So they weren't too far off. All right, so let's, let's move on to the next one. Nineteen. Do, do I like the jaws? Nineteen to seventy-sevens. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. This is. I have a weird relationship with this movie. It's. I, I haven't seen this one in ages. I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen it is, in ages, but it's. It's long. It takes a long time kinda, to get where it's, it's going. Kind of tedious in the in the in bits. You know what the funny thing? You know what movie? I, you know, it's weird. I'm going to say this. You know what movie I compare it to a lot? The Exorcist. The reasoning why is that The Exorcist does doesn't take place in that one bedroom. With uh, with Reagan and the priest, yeah, it takes place all over the world while they're trying to but, do all this stuff, and that's the same thing that goes with Close Encounters. Well, yeah, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is kind of an anthology, right? That's all tied in together. Yeah, one, like movie. One, 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 one movie, one, one movie. Yeah, um, the cinematic scenes on there are some of the some of the greatest scenes Spielberg has ever directed. Yeah. Um, the thing with like the lights in the mailboxes. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the 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 tower made of mashed potatoes and then of clay as it's driving him insane yeah, yeah. and then at the end that ship yeah. that ship is one of the most beautiful motherships I have to this day have seen in a movie. have in common are five signals. I hope somebody's taking all this down. What are we saying to each other? It seems they're trying to teach us a basic tonal vocabulary. It's the first day of school, fellas. And I'm not going to like the, the scene where the kid gets t- gets taken, that's a pretty that's a pretty yeah. horrifying scene. And that like, mom was the scary. mom in uh, Christmas Story. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. Wow. Um, all in all, it's the kind of movie I remember it was... It always played second fiddle to Star Wars. Right. Yeah. It did better in its. Yeah. Re- I think it actually did better in its re-release in '78 because people were like, "I've seen Star Wars 18 times. Let me go see this now." And they're like, 
It's long. It it's, long. A, it's a long, two long and a movie. half hour long movie. The director's cuts even longer, and they do show the you the special edition. They show you more stuff, which actually I think works. Um, I, I actually ran out and bought this on, on DVD when it came out. I think it's a it's great movie. But again, this is the kind of movie too that really but is, works but with the Williams score, though. But you know what? And, and we'll, we'll discuss this further further down. But this this become this kind of showcases what. One of Spielberg's weakness, some what, what can be a weakness for him sometimes when he does big, big uh, spectacle movies like that is sometimes he loses the plot. Yeah, you know, trying to get resolve. What is this movie about? And you know what? Deep down, Richard Dreyfuss's character, like, not a good character. No, no, no. Like, 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 he abandoned his kids and his family. Yeah. yeah, like cinematically, the way it's shot and everything, it's a beautiful yeah. movie. Plot-wise, though, you're like, mm, 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 come on, do something. Yes, line it down just a little bit, just a smidge. Yeah. So, um, I think the, the the thing is with this movie is that I think that the the ending is worth the journey. Yes, it sticks the landing. It does. Oh, Let's it just put it that way. Landing, it just but, sticks the landing. I but but it got in there a little bit faster. Yeah, right. they, they, it needed a little bit more brevity. Right. Yeah. All right. Next up, uh, what Chris from Chris's Cultural Corner says is the worst movie Spielberg ever made. Eh. 1979's 1941. Because I, I vehemently disagree with this. But Go ahead. I think I think this movie gets a lot of undeserved hate. And and I and I don't know what maybe it's me. I think this movie is hilarious. It is what it is I think it's so funny. From from all the reviews, yeah, it is just you. Well, the, yeah, well, it <laughs> wasn't weird, well received. Yeah. It's a weird movie to classify. It doesn't really feel like a Spielberg movie. It feels more like a National Lampoon movie. It feels like with, it's a Mecca's movie, well, right? I mean, look, with the scope the of of, of a Spielberg. Just look at the stars. It's got Dan Aykroyd, uh, Jim Belushi, John Belushi, John Belushi. So I mean, all it's of, got Tim Matheson. Come on, yeah, it's got the comedic, it's got the comedic ingredients there, but for some reason. It just doesn't oh, quite click. I loved, click. I loved it. I it's it's I, one of those I, movies. Every time it's on, I will stop and I watch need, it. I need to watch it again. I remember I, I almost bought it when it came out on um, widescreen VHS. Mm-hmm. Only because it's the kind of movie you can't watch in a pan and scan. Yeah. No. It is, it looks, it does look beautiful. But you're right. It suffers from the sins of a not doing as well. Right. It's a big expensive flop. Right. With Spielberg's name attached to it. Exactly. Uh, actually, I, like I said, it doesn't. It's yeah. It's not a. It's not one of the greatest movies. But it's. Not, it doesn't deserve the hate it gets either. I don't think. Um, like some of the, some things I've heard about it is that like Spielberg is great at doing movies with comedic moments in it. Yeah, but he's, he's not good not at comedy. A good comedic director. And I, and I will say this though, in, in, in terms of the visuals. It really kind of set the template for what a early '80s movies look like. Well, to an extent, yeah. Again, again, it, no. it ends the same way that Animal House ends. Yeah, a lot of like little quick bits, but a lot of that cinema, cinematography and a lot of the the art direction is very '80s. Yeah, you know, even though it's a movie set in 1941, yeah, it's got a very '80s feel to it. Oh yeah, well, even though it came out in '79, right? Well, Spielberg was looking ahead. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, he set the he set the tone. Yeah. Speaking of looking ahead, 1981, my personal 
favorite. There's, there's no argument with there this one. There is no argument with, no this argument with this one. My personal favorite, as well as Lisa Denoncore Krause's um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, what does this Ark look like? There's a picture of it right here. That's it. God. Yes, that's just what the Hebrews thought. Uh, now, what's that supposed to be coming out of there? Lightning. Fire. Power of God or something. I, I love this one. It's not my favorite. No, it's not, not my favorite. favorite. Right. It's not my favorite. But there is no denying this movie's greatness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. There, the way I always put it is, there is no wrong answer when you say which is your favorite Indiana Jones movie, unless it's Temple of Doom or Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And you know, you know, it's funny. This and there's this is only one of two franchises that Spielberg actually directed sequels for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, so he he must really love indie. If you look at 1941, you had like some of the comedic talents at the peak of their power, and he couldn't quite pull it off. This one. He had George Lucas at peak of at peak of his power. Yep. He had Harrison oh Ford God. at the peak of his power. He had Steven Spielberg at the peak of his power, and they it combined perfectly you know what well. It, well. You know what? It, you know what this movie illustrates? George Lucas can write a story. Yeah. yeah. He just if you had somebody kept, else direct it, should be kept yeah. far away, away from, from the director. He should also not not be allowed to write the screenplay. Yeah. Correct. And this was Kazan. This was uh, Kaufman. Yeah. 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 I um the reason I think this is my favorite. Of, oh, of the Spielberg movies, I love Indiana Jones in general. But this is my favorite because it's more of a pure adventure. Yeah. Yes. Than the other two. When we get to the other ones, you know, they do build up more on the comedy. This is more of a pure, and because it's the first, because it introduces you to the character, it introduces you to some of the, I mean, some of these are some of the wildest stunts. Oh, yeah. I, I actually think the truck scene is a better overall stunt than any other stunt in any of the other three movies. The one where he the, the goes underneath the truck and climbs, uses his whip, gets dragged, right. pulls himself so back up. Yeah, he comes up the grill and then punches the guy out. Yeah, uh, you know, I for me it, it's a toss between this one and the tank the scene from, the yeah. third, from Last Crusade. Yeah. yeah, but this one is it is so good. And it, um, it's funny the uh, the scene where it shows like the crate, yeah, and it, with the Nazi symbol, and the Nazi symbol like gets burned off. Yes, that was kind of like added as an afterthought because uh, you know Spielberg, you know, who's a Jewish director, Jewish, yeah, he watched the movie, was like, wait a minute, we have no mention of the Nazis hating the Jews, not yeah. a single moment. And so they they threw in that line and that that moment. And I, I think, am uncomfortable with this. Jewish relic. Yeah, they threw in that line as well. It is, I mean, is, this movie is undeniably, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, so there's really no point really getting into it. This movie is a repeat view forever movie. Oh, forever. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. will, I will, if it's on, t- on, 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 on Spike, or what used to be Spike, yep. if it's on, I will stop I it, I will can't watch it. I cannot wait to show this to my children. And, um, I love this oh, movie. Dang, what's her name? Karen Allen. Karen Allen. She doesn't was love Karen Allen. in this yeah. movie. Everything well, in this movie was. is awesome. Everybody was. All right. So let's move on to 1982. This is kind of the big one, the one that really, really, really made him. 
And that is E.T., the extraterrestrial. If you don't shed a tear at the end of this movie, you have no soul and I feel pity for you. All we're trying to say is maybe you just probably imagined it. I couldn't have imagined it. Maybe it was a pervert or deformed kid or something. A deformed kid. Maybe uh, an elf or a leprechaun. It was nothing like that, penis breath! Elliot! (laughs) Sit down. Dad would believe me. Maybe you ought to call your father and tell him about it. I can't. He's in Mexico with Sally. I was I know, ten I, years old. I, when this I, movie. I have bitter memory. I have bittersweet memories of this movie because I, when I went to see this movie, it was either a choice between I went. My uncle took me. My uncle and I went with it was my uncle, me, and my two cousins, and we had a choice. It was a, a rerun of Empire Strikes Back or E.T. Yeah, me yeah. being the oldest, I, you know, my cousins were two and four years younger than me. They chose E.T. So guess what we saw? You know, but you know what? There is no wrong answer in that question. Right. I mean, Empire Strikes Back or E.T. They, yeah. You're talking two really all-time great movies oh, yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah. No, E.T. I mean, there's no denying E.T. E.T. to me is it capitalizes on a lot of like the types of shots and family dynamics they had in Close Encounters. Yeah. And he masters it's, it's almost like this is the movie that Close Encounters should have been. Right. This is the movie that proves that Spielberg is one of the best directors for directing children. Yeah, uh, when you he, watch any behind the scenes of yeah. him directing children, he, he got he got some emotions out of Drew Barrymore and Henry Thomas. Yeah, that I don't think any other director would have been able to get. And he was good with them. It's like oh, he's yeah. an overgrown child. Yeah, well, that's because that's right. basically what he is. Yeah. Um, this this is one of those movies too. It just kind of showed how. Easy, he could integrate into the pop zeitgeist. Yeah, yes. Um, it's a very small movie, but it's oh, absolutely. Fact, this is absolutely this is a, a small movie. This is a compared very to. intimate movie. Yes, yes. very. Yeah. I mean, honestly, most of it is. I mean, the, the the core behind. I mean, obviously, there's the alien, but there's a core story about a, a family going through a fairly messy divorce. Which, yeah. Which was very close to Spielberg's. Heart. All right, exactly. Uh, and that's why Dad's in Mexico with Sally. Yeah, which is where the title comes from. Right, and we're just trying to figure out why, you know, how they got divorced. Was it really his fault? Maybe it was her fault. I mean, we don't know. you know, the kids are playing D&D in her, in her house, and she's, like, wearing a nightgown and, like, oh, hey, you've grown up. Well, <laughs> hey, do we teen yet? It is D. Wallace. It is D. Wallace, yeah. And she, and she that, at that point of time, she was quite the looker. <laughs> With her 80s mom hair. Hey, <laughs> the helmet of hair. Was this before or after the Howling? Oh, uh, this was after. after Howling was eighty one. She was really good in that one too. No. This is a. I mean, this is just. This movie is is a great movie for every occasion. Mm. It's good to show your. You could show younger kids and oh, they're yeah. okay with it. Um, it's. It, it, I think it gets a lot of slack because it does have a bit of a, a, a sentimental. You know, end to it. You know, it, it's the kind of movie that is designed to make you cry at the it end. Is. Yeah. But I mean, what, what's also great is that it it also it showcases some more of Spielberg talent because yep. I think like the first half of the movie is shot from like a kid's height, yeah, below a kid's right. below the waist, right? 
Um, yeah, and we can go on and on, but we're almost a half hour in already before edits, and we have a lot of movies to talk about. So, uh, on. next thing I'm going to talk about is Twilight Zone the movie. Do you remember what the name of his... Uh, uh, Kick the Can. Kick the Can. Um, it, <laughs> Which is basically a precursor to uh, uh, Cocoon, I think. Right. Quite honestly, uh, it's the most boring of the three. <laughs> it, but it stands out because this was the first time that Spielberg did not work with John Williams. Really? Right. He, John Williams did not score oh. his segment. Right. So, eh, yeah. Um, uh, I don't ever need to watch Twilight Zone the movie uh, yeah, ever again. The, the less said, the better. Well, just... well two people, you know, three people died making yeah, the movie. that too. So, all right. Next up, and this is more of a... A rumor. This is an urban legend, but it, 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 is, it is said that he directed Poltergeist, and they just gave Toby Hooper credit for it. It makes sense because... It would make sense. It, it is a very Spielbergian movie. Right. It also looks like it takes place in the same neighborhood as E.T. <laughs> the shared universe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the E.T. Poltergeist universe. As the house is collapsing, you see the rainbow go overhead. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the less said about this one, the better too, because this movie scared the living piss out of me as a child. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a great movie, but there are a couple of scenes that... Freak, they still freak me out. The 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 maggots. Yeah, and the face. Yeah, all that's all in the same scene. Oh, yeah, I know. And, so and that's that's a hard scene to watch. Yeah. All right, moving on. 1984's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Kalima. It, it's. I, I like most of the movies except the scenes that Kate Capshaw are in. Which is many. A good many, but... Because I really hate her character. In this this and the movie that instituted PG-13. Right. Yeah. Well, this and Gremlins. Right. issue with this movie. I don't really think we need to spend a lot of time talking about it because everything that we need to unpack is either going to be in Raiders or, or Last Crusade. Yeah. The thing with Temple of Doom is it's almost like they got caught up in the hype. Yeah. This is written by two people who don't know how to write good movies. These are the same people that gave us Howard the Duck. I mean, it's still a fun movie. I mean, the 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 uh, minecart chase at the end is amazing. Oh, the, the minecart's a lot of fun. Yeah. But, I like the, well. I like the start, the the opening. Oh yeah, the the the, oh, the, the musical. Fight, yeah, the and the, I you know what the thing no, is, is I love Doctor Jones. <laughs> I do like Show Round. I like Show Round a lot. Uh, I just I think for me, I feel that this movie is more of a romp, and this is yeah. more indicative of problems with the blockbusters at this time. That's why like Ghostbusters was so revolutionary because you didn't have big musical cued comedy moments. Right. Or there wasn't a lot of sl- there was no slapstick in Ghostbusters. Whereas this, there yeah, is far too much slapstick. And, and you also had a uh, beating heart being pulled out of someone's chest. Well, there's that, yeah. Um, and the other thing too is that when they when he finally cuts the bridge, yeah. and you could tell that they put these mechanized uh, mannequins, yeah, because they're just so stiff, and so many Wilhelm screams. And the matte, the matte paintings were so obvious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, 
you and, and, and you have the glorious white man revolution at the end. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the one thing about this movie is, is that you kind of have to own it because no uh, DVD or Blu-ray set doesn't have yeah, it. No. Right? Yeah, you, it's kind of yeah. It, it's I mean, it's a serviceable blockbuster. It, it's a movie I will still watch over again, and <laughs> I'll just plug my ears whenever Cap Capshaw is around and screaming her head off, which he does all oh, the lot. fucking time. Oh my god, it's awful. Oh. It's so awful. Well, obviously, obviously, Luke, uh, I mean, Spielberg like, must have liked it a lot because yep. he married him. Yep. Um, Alright, so let's move on to the next one. Um, uh, Jonna's least favorite movie and, from but, Spielberg. Well, not, not because it's a bad movie, mind right. you. It's, it's also most... This is the one that really deviates from anything he's done for. Right, oh, exactly. A, um, and that is The Color Purple, which was also listed as one of Nicole Stacy's favorites. Mm. Um, it's a hard. It's a hard movie to watch. I've, it's I've never seen this a movie. very hard movie to watch. It's very. I think that the the Spielberg shots are all there. Like the Spielberg filmmaking playbook yeah. is definitely in 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 play here. But there, this movie is essentially a response to the fact that there were so very few, very very few black people. Yeah. In any of his movies. Well, I mean, he 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 took a chance with. An unknown Comedian. black actress, yeah. Whoopi Goldberg, yeah. And she brought in he brought in the queen of daytime, daytime. television, the Oprah, yes. Winfrey, and damn it, if they didn't work out, right? Oh, absolutely. It I mean, shows they can work with anybody. And yeah, anything. right. I mean, this is one of those movies that I know I'm supposed to watch all the way through, and I think I've seen it. Like, if you combine all the parts that I've watched, I've seen the whole thing once. Uh, yeah, I've, I've I've actually I've never seen this movie because it's. From what I hear, it's just such a hard one to watch. It is. It is a very hard movie to watch. Now, the interesting thing about this movie, that this movie um, is one of those movies that holds the record of most uh, Academy Award nominations without a single win. Really? Spielberg was not nominated for Best Director for this movie. so that He he was pissed at that. Well, yeah. Because it was like, you're going to nominate this movie for Best Director and Best Picture and you're not going to nominate me? What the hell? Right. I mean, you know who took his slot, though? Akira Kurosawa. Oh, you can't. So, yeah, exactly. So, you can't be that pissed. Well, I'm sure he was at the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was the 80s. Everyone was a high on coke. Well, he wasn't. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, All right. So, that moves on to 1987 with a movie, honestly, I've never seen. Empire Uh, of the Sun. I haven't either. It was... I think I saw it once. It was Christian Bale's film debut. Yes. At like 11 years old. Pre-I-Wart. (laughs) Pre-I-Wart. Now you gotta go back and watch all the Batman movies and look for the eye ward. Yeah. I keep forget. I keep forgetting that he, he, he. This was a Spielberg movie. Yeah, but you know why? Part of it was because it came out the same year as Last Emperor. And, oh, that's right. Yeah, and there was another movie that came out around the same time that is escaping me. But it, it was another like World War Two fly movie. Yeah, it was in or around the same time, yeah. I mean, I could just be confusing this with Empire of the Sun, too. That is entirely possible. Yeah, it's entirely possible, but yeah, I'd, I like to think that you know a little bit more than that. Yeah, actually, I think um, I'm going to look it up real quick before we move on to the next one. So, um, it's intriguing, intriguing. I think it was Lassie Halstrom that directed the... Uh, uh, L-A-S-S-E. What do we got? Lassie Halstrom. All right, let's see what we got here. We've got... Director. Was Ben Stiller in this movie? Who? Ben Stiller? 
Oh, he was probably really young, too. Yeah, he was dainty. And according to the uh, notes on Wikipedia, uh, while he was performing in this movie, Ben Stiller conceived with the idea of Tropic Thunder. Interesting. Really? Yeah, no, I must have. I must be making that up. I, I can't. I can't find anything, so we don't need to really hang out, hang on it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no real mem- memory of this movie. But it's the kind of movie that '80s uh, people will be like, you know, this is the kind of thing that GameStop would go. Thirty-one years ago, Empire of the Sun was released. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> Again, Christian Bale. <coughs> All right. Next up, 1989's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Late 14th century Ming Dynasty. Oh, it breaks the heart. And the head. You hit me, Dad. I'll never forgive myself. Don't worry, I'm fine. Thank God. <laughs> it's fake. See, you can tell with the cross sections. No! Dad, get your stuff. We gotta get out of here. Well, I'm sorry about your head, though. But I thought you were one of them. Yeah, they come in through the doors. I lo- this is this is my favorite Spielberg movie. I, I, I love this movie. This isn't my favorite Spielberg movie, but I think I think I like this one just a smidge more than Raiders of the Lost Ark. Again, like I said, there's no wrong answer no. as long as one no. of those two is your answer. Yeah. No, this, um, this is this is inarguably my favorite Spielberg. I, I movie. can and I just. I love the interplay between Harrison Ford and Sean Connery. Yeah. And just, just at the time we thought, what a perfect way to wrap up the trilogy. Just a nice right. little neat bow. They, they, they ride off into the sunset. Yeah, the way it's supposed to be. Right. And it's just, this movie obviously learned the mistakes of the last movie in terms of how to play up comedy that aren't annoying. Right. Actually, uh, Paul English did a post on Facebook saying that this was... His uh, favorite. Okay. And, again, no wrong answer in here. It is no. an excellent movie. No, no, not at all. Um, there's so many great scenes in it, so many great lines. This is easily the more quotable of the two yeah. movies. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, the the interplay between him and Sean Connery yeah. is... It, it, it's, it, it's amazing to see how... Close to age, and they they actually are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You think about it now, yeah. But at yeah. the time, but I mean, I mean, the second they first see each other, you un- completely understand it—the relationship between yeah. father and son. And that well the, well, the great thing about it, the th- great thing about it is, is, you know, it's kind of it's funny to say it, you know, in, in a trilogy, but it kind of returned to its roots of. <coughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark, where you're, you're basically globe trotting, right? Yeah. You know where where Temple of Doom just takes place in India. It goes one, from Shanghai to India and leaves you there, right? And this one goes from the states to Germany to um, Northern Africa, North, North Africa, and, yeah, then to the Middle East, and you're like, and then back to Germany, you're like, okay, this, okay, great, this is this is awesome. And there's that great bit. Um, and this is a great uh, behind-the-scenes thing where they're at that Nazi rally in, in Berlin. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they have uh, the, the, the guy playing Hitler. And Steven Spielberg's like, you're doing a great job. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> but I just said at that moment where he, you know, Andy comes face-to-face with him and he signs the journal. He signs the book, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's a, you know, funny moment, but... I named the dog Indiana. Yeah. I love that dog. I, I love that they brought back both uh, Sala and Brody. Yes. Yeah. 
Yep. America's broken. Last, last one is on museum. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Marcus Brody's already got a two-day head start. <laughs> he speaks six languages. <laughs> and then you get to see him in uh, Africa. Is anyone here speak ancient Greece? Or anyone perhaps speak English or, or perhaps ancient Greek? And I don't want it. No, thank you. Fish McLovin' it. <laughs> <laughs> it is... Yep. So it's such a great movie. It, it is, really it is. is. Um, you know, getting back to that tank scene, though, I love the tank scene except for one thing: the very, that, very that, that end. obvious CG. Oh, that's oh, all. Yeah, that oh, obvious. that is such a mat and a model. Oh, but that, that's RoboCop two level. Yeah. CG. But the great thing about the tank scene, though, is you you, you have Indy on the outside yeah. fighting all the Nazis. Meanwhile, you have Brody and, yeah. and, and and Indy's father inside. You know, trying to basically. Get out of whatever they're doing. But the payoff from that scene of having Brody Sala and, and uh, Indy Sr. looking over, just crying, and you see uh, Indy come up behind yeah. like, looking Look over. around. And then they and the hat blows back. And then, you know, it, his father hugs him. And then, okay, we gotta go. Right, yeah. Moving on. So, and Indy just drops like, huh? What? <laughs> There's that great bit too when you know he's he's rescuing him from that uh, that castle. Oh yeah. Oh yes. And he's like, "What you did? I can't believe what you did!" <laughs> of course, son. They're shooting at us. I know, Dad. <laughs> this is a new experience for me. Happens to me all the time. <laughs> Come on. Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm as human as the next man. I was the next <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm gonna go back and watch this again. Oh, I, I do love too. this movie. <laughs> Plus the uh, the. Villainous is played by Allison Duty. Yep. Oh, well, yeah. You Bond girl. Duty, duty. So, all right, moving on to 1989's other. This is this is when he started doing like two movies a year. He do his his like commercial friendly blockbuster, and then he do his Oscar bait. Well, this was not. I, Oscar. I, I, no, I don't remember. Always. I don't remember this one. So. I've never I, seen this one. Excuse me. I have no real memory of this movie, other than it's a remake of another movie. Uh, I've never seen it. And it's his third, uh, his third uh, work. Collaboration with, with uh, Richard Dreyfuss. Yeah. All right. Moving on. 1991's oh, Hook. I love this movie. Go ahead, Mike. Talk about it. I mean, it's just... A, it's it's a complete twist on the Peter Pan. It's like, what would happen it's, it's, if Peter Pan had grown up? It's, it, it, yeah, it's not a bad movie. I enjoyed it when it first came out. I, I remember watching it in high school. Because it, it came out in 91. When I was senior in high school. And yeah. It came out and I... I enjoyed watching yeah. it. I thought it was a good movie. Robin Williams as a Peter Pan who wasn't Peter Pan. You had he had Julia, forgotten he was yeah, Peter Julia Pan. Julia Roberts right. as Tinkerbell and a scene-chewing Dustin Hoffman oh, as Captain who, Hook. Who soaked up every moment of oh, the right. he, he, he just loved it. But the interactions between him and Bob Hoskins, Smee. <laughs> Don't make a move, Smee. Not a step. My finger's on the trigger. Don't try to stop me, Smee. I'm not again. This is it. Don't try to stop me this time, Smee. Don't try to stop me this time, Smee. Don't you dare try to stop me this time, Smee. Try to stop me. Smee, you better get up off your ass. Get over here, Smee. I'm coming. I'm coming. This is not a joke. I'm committing a suicide. Don't ever fight me like that again. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, this movie hasn't aged well. Oh, I think that's 
Part of the thing is this is this movie came out around a time when there was this very disturbing trend about vilifying the dad that has to work to support his family. Yeah. This city slickers. There's like this vilification that you know you have these responsibilities now because you have a family, right. because you decided to have sex and procreate. You have responsibilities now. Ah, fuck! It. I'm going to hang out with this fat black kid. And, uh... Oh, that that was a cool. That was a, he was a fun guy. I just I don't know. I wouldn't rank this anywhere near a favorite. Now, I again, it looks beautiful. It's a well, that's that's, that's that's typical of. And this is this is one of the better John Williams. I I, I like this soundtrack. It's not it's not one of my favorite Williams soundtracks at all. I know you you really like that yeah, one. Yeah, I, I love this one. Um, I don't know. It's just I I had to go back and watch this again because I, I know at some point I'm going to have to show show the kids this. Yeah, I'm worried about the flight effects. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's one of the effects that that. He really pulled off very well. Right. Yeah. They were still using wire rigging then, too. Well, yeah, but so was Superman. Yeah. Anything else to say about Hook before we move on? No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Rufy! Oh! Moving on. <laughs> In my opinion, probably the last great blockbuster that Steven Spielberg has done, 1993's Jurassic I'll Park. I'll disagree with that, but this is a fantastic movie. Oh, it was so groundbreaking. It is just a delay. That's all it is. All major theme parks had delays. When they opened Disneyland in 1956, mm-hmm. nothing worked. Yeah, nothing. yeah, but John, if the Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat the tourists. I can't wait anymore. This this movie you have to see on the big screen. Oh god! This is yeah. the this is the movie that showed you like basically like uh, I think Dennis Muren called him called him into his office at ILM and say, "Look what I can do with this computer." And they're like, well, the walls are coming down now. Yep. We can do anything we want. And plus, I mean, this movie is a clinic in sound editing. Oh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, before this, it was, you know, before before Jurassic Park, Star Wars set the standard for right. it. Right. But this just took it to a whole new level. When the when those brachiosaurus come up, at right when you first see them, and then they come down and you boof. Right. And it's then, just, I mean, and ooh. then... And and this is this is like the first real movie where surround sound really kind of came into its oh, own. Right. I remember um, when I was in college, my junior year in college, one of my friends, he had he had in his room. I don't know how he pulled this off. But he had a big what we considered a big screen TV. It was thirty inches. Yeah, well, it was pretty <laughs> big. You know, big cathode ray, cathode ray. To, uh, oh yeah, know. yeah, yeah. But, those flat screens. No, yeah, but. He had a full surround sound system, and he had just got the VHS for Jurassic Park, and oh my god, that's that movie is made for surround sound. Absolutely. I mean, j- just look at the the uh, uh, T Rex chase scene. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that is a clinic on how you first how you uh, do pr- mix practical effects with CG effects. Yeah, and combine it with the sound effects. Yeah. It is just a masterful, and scene. especially that first scene when you see the bracket, the the bracket sword. That's the that's the scene yeah, I always point like, out. Oh, that wow, scene! How did they do that? That scene twenty five years ago looks better than some CG does now. Especially when you bring in the John Williams soundtrack. Oh, exactly. The swell right there. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. You see a lot of articles talking about visual effects. Will point that out. Yeah. Saying CGI nowadays looks so washed out and so just unrealistic. 
Whereas you look at Jurassic Park and it's like, it, it's perfect. It right. works. The skin tones, the skin texture, <coughs> that all works. Yeah. And it works really well. Um, it's it's interesting too because this movie is one of those movies that the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, the visual flair of the movie supersedes really kind of your run-of-the-mill, you know, disaster movie. Yeah. Yes. But you don't seem to mind it all that much because the special effects are so great. The one thing you don't notice also is how far apart those special effects are. Yeah. yeah. When you watch that movie. Yeah. Because you go from seeing those dinosaurs um, to Dennis Nedry doing his thing. Everything else from that point going forward for most of it until the, um, the Gallimimes is practical effects. Yeah. Models and, you know, close-up yeah. heads and stuff like that. And, um, I mean... Well, then there's a the T-Rex chase. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, also, how... I mean, the, the Velociraptors in the kitchen scene. Oh. That is just... Cause that's, it's, that's suspense. You've that got, is, the, you've got yeah. the kids, like, on their own. You have the, the Velociraptors just sniffing them out. Right. And, and again, it's the sound editing. Oh, yeah. The sound editing works in that because of how they just... They just knock their heads onto... Um, the pans, yeah. and you just hear the pans kind of clank. And those yeah. croaking noises that they made yeah. to communicate. It, was... it is it is a phenomenal movie. And yeah. again, one of those movies that I can't wait till my kids are just a little older. And one that you forget that Samuel L. Jackson was in. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Hold on to your butts. All right, moving on. Oh, God, 1993's another, Schindler's another List. 1993. Yep. And this um, is, like you said, you got, yeah. you got the commercial blockbuster, and then you got the Oscar bait. This is the one that Chris says is his favorite of um, Spielberg's movies. I believe also, uh, I think that's about it. Oh, and Catherine. Yeah, was Catherine, talking about watching the, just watch, she just watched it the other Yeah, day. and the scene at the end that got her... When they're showing all those living survivors at the time laying the stones on top of his grave, yeah. and it's between that and the John Williams score with the Yitzhak Perlman yep. uh, violin, it's just so intense. By the way, this is a terrible movie to take a date to. <laughs> you don't, Jesus, Andy. Yep, I have actually never seen this movie. Really, um, I didn't realize Schindler's List was this old though. Twenty-five years. Twenty-five years. This won him his first Oscar. Uh, both for director and producing it, this is this is an amazingly made movie. It tells an incredible story. The fact that you were able to convey the whole thing in black and white mm. uh, with those little splotches of color. Yeah. yeah, there are some splotches of color in there that just come back throughout the movie. Yeah, and well, it's just that, re- that little red coat. The red coat, exactly. Yeah. The red coat is just there as a focal point, and you just kind of see the progression of of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've I've never seen this movie mean because it's I I know I know how it's, hard of a movie it is. It's, it's a watch. tough movie. It is to a watch. very it's tough it's movie because it doesn't pull its punches. And it's incredibly yeah. suspenseful too. Right. There is one scene, I'm not gonna spoil anything, but there's no, this I, one well, I've, scene I've seen enough of the movie. Right. Where um all the all the people in the camp are being herded in yeah. and they think they're gonna be gassed. And it turns out they were just all being showered. Uh. And it was just like, it's really, know, but, really tense. But you don't know. It's, you're, right. You're, because you know what the history is. And you're like, oh, God. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, my God, Steven Spielberg is actually going to show this? Right. And, I mean, I mean the uh, the scenes that, where they're clean, or clearing the ghettos. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, the thing where they're, they're, they're um, burning the bodies. Yeah. And it's that scene of um, Liam Neeson on the horse. 
and it looks like it's snowing, and that's yeah. because it's black and white. All you can see is snow falling. When and you it's think ash. it's snow, it's yeah, it's ash. Like, and, oh. and that's that's where he sees the red coat again. Yeah, and he reckon, and that's it's. I mean, honestly, that um, you know, Oscar Schindler is not a good guy. No, he's no, not. He's, he's not. a good it's, guy that does a really good thing. He's a bad. He's 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 a he's a guy of questionable character that does a really good right. Thing. Yeah, it, he's 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 he's. Uh, I don't want to say conflicted, but he's he's the imperfect hero. Is what he exactly, is. and I like that. I mean, I'm sure that there was a lot of shit we never saw that we don't. And, right. You don't want to see it. You don't want to ruin the character. But at the same time, they, I, I do like that they showed him as being a flawed person who did right. right. Yeah. He did right in one very specific the, thing and saved millions of people. And, right, and that's but that's the thing. That's the, it's the realization that throughout history. The people who we think are heroes, they're just human beings. Right. And you know, they're, they're, they're imperfect yeah. vessels. And um, uh, Ralph Fiennes. Oh, Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. This was his first uh, major movie, and he is such a fine. He is so evil and yeah. so not just, but very debonair and charming at the same time. Yeah, I mean... The I, wor- I, he, that's the, the, it's the worst kind of evil. Because, right. Because on the surface, he, he gives this air of just being almost likable. Right. Yeah. And there's that one bit where he decides that he's going to be benevolent. Yeah. And he tries it out, and people are screwing up things. He's like, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. And then just he looks at himself in the mirror and tries to reconcile that with himself. And then he goes back outside and shoots somebody. Yeah. Yeah. He just pulls out a rifle and boom. Yep. Ah, oh, it's it's, it, it really is. The, the scene that they had introduced him, Mm. There's the one scene where he's, you know, they're they're touring the ghetto and he's sitting in the in the truck and, he, and they're just going over there, yeah, why is the top down? I'm fucking freezing. Yeah. And um then when he wakes up and he puts on his, his pants and his suspenders and he just does target practice in the yard mm. with with the prisoners. Uh, it's just it's such a it's not it's not a movie you watch for laughs it's not no, a yeah. it's it's a hard movie it is but I think it's it's definitely required viewing I I, I don't know is this I know the subject matter and it's a subject matter I I it it never really it takes a lot of force yeah, it, it, it takes, takes a lot, lot of force to do it but I, I do think it. that you need this is the kind of movie you need to not acknowledge exists. And that you need to watch to acknowledge that these awful Thank fucking God. things oh, I, actually I know they happen. I, I know they happen, which is why I, I don't want to right, see movies. Right, but you know, for someone like myself or Joe who've got children, we need to lead the uh, the next uh, next generation of non Holocaust deniers. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ! All right, moving on. Four year gap in between movies, by yeah. the way. Shocking, surprisingly enough. Yes. To my least favorite Steven Spielberg movie. It's not the my least Lost favorite. The Lost World Jurassic Park. Surprisingly enough, it's not my least... It's not one of my favorites, so it's not my least favorite. Oh, I think this is such a... This doesn't feel like a Spielberg movie. This feels like they, they brought him in to call a couple of shots and then let somebody else direct it. There, there's still some, some, some Spielbergian shot. I mean, right in the beginning where the kid is on the beach. Oh, with, uh, yeah, and then the, um, what do they call uh, uh, The Compisaurus. Yeah. Uh, the, Jesus. Pro, 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 pro Yeah, the Compis. Yeah. Which were in the book for Jurassic Park, and then yeah. they decided to use them for this. Uh, uh, you know, as much as you say you don't like this movie, this, there, there are two cases where I've read the book and I've seen the movie, and I think the movie is better than the book. 
Both on both of them are on this oh, list. Oh, the, the book is dog shit. <laughs> Every other chapter is just this long dissertation on uh, chaos theory. Oh yeah, you want to talk it about boring? Well, if you shit. want to talk about a cash grab, Michael Crichton's book is more of a cash grab. Oh, absolutely. Oh, he, Ian Malcolm was only mostly dead. Yeah. Oh yeah, he he wrote it after Jurassic Park, the movie came right. out. Right. That's just like uh, Gump and Company, yeah. which was the you know the follow up book that was written after Forrest Gump made all that money. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the book isn't very good. So yes, this is an improvement on the book, but it still feels it feels wrong in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, it very much is more of a we need to preserve this land and not let the poachers, played by Pete Pothelswaite, you know, take the dinosaurs and profit off of them. I mean, the funny thing is, um, you know, the this was. This is a lot of people consider this to be one of Spielberg's lesser efforts. I mean, the last one that we really talked about that was really kind of his one of his lesser, 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 lesser efforts. efforts was 1941. So it's been a good, it's been a good run. No, it's been a very good run. I mean, there's some like always. No one talks about always. Yeah. Any, yeah. You know, people most people forget it's a Spielberg movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think with this one too, they decided to bring in more archetype characters. Yeah, like get, with all those dinosaur hunters, and then like the one dude who was like the, you know, like the big fat dude with the big red beard who, right. you know, I guarantee when they foleyed his death, all they did was have something bite into an apple because that's what it sounded like. <laughs> and you had um, uh, Julianne Moore, Moore and um, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. Vince Vaughn as the uh, you know the photographer who was really a secret agent or something. Right. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Jeff Goldblum was really the only one worth watching in this movie. Oh, what was the deal with his, like, precocious teenage daughter? Right. That's just there to get the kids, you know, the kids have somebody to, to um, identify with. I like the kids in the first movie a hell of a lot more than I liked her. Oh, yeah, no, she was annoying. Yeah. And her, her plot-specific, you know, use only when necessary things like gymnastics. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Would be. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, let's move on. Another serious movie released that year, 1997's Amistad. Another hard movie to watch. This is another movie watch. people forget exists. This is uh, uh, yeah, This is Anthony Hopkins, and this is the movie that introduced the world to uh, Jim and Hansu. Oh, that's right. Yep. Wasn't um, oh Matthew McConaughey was in this too. Yeah. It's it's a movie about a slave ship. Again, very hard to do. Very hard to watch. Yeah, very hard to watch. I don't think I've ever actually seen this one either. I've seen it once. And this one just seems like. Uh, he he done Schindler's List. It was a really personal story for him. So he's like, okay, so I've dealt with the the Jews in their story. Now you got to deal with now, slavery. Now, yeah, let's do go back to slavery here. Yeah, didn't, I mean, I've I've never seen this one. Uh, yeah, neither have I. And again, I, it's a it's a tough one to to get through. Um, I've heard it. You know, it, it's 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 good. It's just not one of his really right. standout efforts. All right, so let's move on to one of his more stand, uh, standout efforts, 1998, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, Ryan, I don't know anything about Ryan. I don't care. Man means nothing to me. It's just a name. But if, you know, if going to Ramel and finding him so he can go home, if that earns me the right to get back to my wife, well, then, then that's my mission. Wow. Yeah. This movie... I saw this in the theater. Holy is shit. judged whole cloth 
On the, t- the first, first half hour of the movie. Yes. yes. Whole cloth. Yes. Um, this is the most intense battle sequence I have ever seen filmed. Well, yeah. it, it was. I mean, that's what really stood. I mean, when you go in and you see that first twenty minutes, I mean, actually, a lot of people I've heard said that for them, the first twenty minutes kind of overshadow the rest of the movie. So it, it does. It, it, they don't yeah. feel a movie, the rest of the movie kind of stands up to it. And there are some very intense scenes in that movie within the movie themselves. I'll get into that in a second. I remember my mother told me that she and my stepfather went to go see it. My, my stepfather fought in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. He was ashen yeah. after that sequence. He can't watch that again. Yeah, I heard, I, I've heard stories, a lot of stories of like, even like World War II veterans are like, okay, this is a little too realistic, yeah. a little too much. This was the scene, if, you, if you're going to say that one scene won a director an Oscar... It's this yeah. scene. Yeah. Well, I mean, Schindler's List kind of showed you that Spielberg can pull, can do see movies where he pulls no punches, right? And he just doubled down with this one. It's also rare too to make a, a ra- he didn't make a lot of rated R movies, right? Yeah. So you know, to be able to have to take the gloves off and make this very physically violent movie, yeah. Um, but it is a very good movie. There's a lot of there are some really heart. Wrenching moments in it. That last scene. Oh my god. Well, there's that one. There's that one bit when one of their guys, I think it was Giovanni Rabisi, gets shot. Yeah. And he's asking for morphine to dull the pain, even though they know he dies and he can't. They can't waste the morphine on him. So Tom Hanks takes the stone, pushes it against his leg, and just makes him think that he got the morphine just to let him die with some with his mind at peace. Um, that and, the, and Spielberg did, did that did something that no other director has ever done. Kill Tom Hanks. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, and this this was their first uh, work together, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yes. I mean this this was a combination made in heaven. I think. Yeah. The other scene that really like just took my breath away for how devastating it was was that scene where there was that uh, the um the German soldier. That they let go. Yeah. And yes. he comes back and he's still fighting them. Yeah. And then um, he kills that one soldier. He grabs his knife and he starts sticking to his throat. And he's just like, shh, shh, go to sleep. Shh. And just like, <sighs> it was terrible. It just, it just, oh it's my God, it's so, so hard to watch. Anything else on uh, Saving Private Ryan, gentlemen, before we move on? No. All right. Next up, 2001's AI Artificial Intelligence. Oh, God. I hate this movie. This was a movie that um, Stanley Kubrick was going to do. Yep. And he willed it to Steven Spielberg for better or worse. Worse. This this is my least favorite Spielberg movie, Diane. Absolutely loathes this movie. She hates it with a passion. I, I'm not a big fan of Kubrick, so I think this is yeah. better. But my my takeaway from this, as well as Ready Player One, is that I think if Spielberg has any regret in life, it's that he wasn't Stanley Kubrick. I he really tries to direct this like this, a Kubrick movie. There's it's it's tech, in, in technical terms. It's a well done. It's beautiful. It's, beautiful. it's a beautiful looking movie. It's 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 got all the to me. It's got all the Spielberg hallmarks, you know, direct, directing wise. But the plot again, 
It, it, it's a, one of his sometimes glaring weaknesses when he tries to do big budget movies. It's three the movies compressed into one. Work. And um, I hated the ending. Oh my god! That oh, that's the, and that's the thing. I think this movie suffers because the, the ending is so. The, the, the there. problem is well, the problem is the, the thing about the movie is it puts you through such an emotional roller coaster for this little a you know this boy like AI artificial yeah. intelligence. Yeah, Joel Osment. And then the end, and you're just like, I wanted to punch the. T- I wanted to reach out and punch Steven Spielberg for doing that. Yeah. It's like, how could you do that to him? Because that's the only way they could have logistically ended the movie. Oh, I didn't. I it just. It, uh, there are some. The thing about this movie that works so well, though, is how sincere David is to his um, to his mother. Yes. But that's the that's the thing. It's it, this movie strings you along emotionally. And yeah. It wrenches your heart emotionally, and it toys with it. It toys with you, and then they end it like that. And you, I, I, this movie made me. Generally, movies don't make me mad. Yeah. This movie pissed me off. I've never actually seen this movie. I really, I own this on blue, on DVD. This is just one of his efforts. So it was like. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, that didn't keep keep it that way because. <laughs> well, I mean, for one, I don't. I really didn't. I'm really not a fan of Steve, Stanley Kubrick, as I said. And so, hearing him trying to Stan, Stan, trying to Stanley Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick is an acquired taste. Yeah, he is. Yeah, one I've never decided to acquire because I've seen some of his movies. Um, but yeah, it's just you know, okay, sure. It's a movie about robots. I've seen movies about robots. I don't care. Right, but it's not so much about robots, but more like the emotional attachment one robot it's, has right. with is one it, human. Is it just because? Is it? Is it? Yeah, I've heard. Is that. it any? Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it is it real because it has emotions kind of type of thing? I've heard of that know? movie. It's called Bicentennial Man. So oh, God, another one. <laughs> Bicentennial Man is by far a worse movie than this one is. <laughs> God, I, <laughs> I, hate, I hate having my emotions manipulated. Can like we move that. on to the next movie? Yes, the next sure. Movie I have seen. I've enjoyed. Okay. Uh, you want to say which movie that is? Yeah, 2002, Minority Report. Oh, my God. I forgot he directed this one. I don't care for this one. I don't dislike it. I just don't care for it. It's the Tom Cruise factor, isn't it? No, actually, it has to do with... I just don't think about this movie. This movie left me just kind of like, okay, it was there. I saw it I saw it in the theater. And I, I, I enjoyed this back when I was a fan of Tom Cruise before he went all batshit insane. Yeah. <laughs> That's been a, that's been a way a ways back, all right. No, the, before that, Minority Report came out before he started doing the jumping on the couch yeah, well, stuff, I, I, right? But not not by far, not no. By far. But before it was before that. But yeah. no, I, I I enjoyed it, and simply because it Steven Spielberg, this movie had a way of connecting <laughs> with you, even though it takes place in the future. Yeah, it kind of makes you think about what's possible. Well, I mean, it's also based on Philip K. Dick. Uh, oh, I, right. I, I love Phil K. Dick. Yeah, I, I mean, it's. I really enjoy this movie. I think it's a, it's a fun. I mean, it's not. It's not particularly deep. No, although, but it's not. It does have some deep moments. A lot, well, a lot of the themes are deep. Yeah. Like, like if you think about what 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 would we do as a society if we had the ability to predict crime? Right. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's all like, uh, do we want to be safe and secure, or do we want to have freedom? Right. Right. But I mean. But it's it's also a very tense and suspenseful movie too. Right, like, you know, just you know, seeing the chase scenes and seeing how okay, you know what's gonna happen. It's kind of like okay, you know what? It's kind of like a weird 
Memento, you know, you know the movie Memento. It's yeah. kind of yeah. like a twist on that. Like, okay, you know it's going to happen. How does it resolve itself? Have, right. Have you heard about the really bummer ending? No. There's a there's a theory out there that's saying that the all the ending is uh, actually just a hallucination in his mind while he's in fr- you know, while he's in the fr- uh, the freezer. Oh, wow. That's a bummer ending. That's a ending. bummer ending. Yeah. yeah. Do another bummer ending. Next time you watch Grease, just remember the whole thing is in Sandy's head while she's dying of drowning. <laughs> I, I, I also have a... Uh, I've, I've thought of a prologue to Jaws that could make that movie completely like stupid. Yep. Where uh, the re- the uh, the scar that he's got... Yep. He got... Uh, Brody got that while he was in New York fighting off a, a devil worshiper whose spirit <laughs> inhabited the shark. It was hunting him down. Yeah, that is pretty stupid. Yeah, see? (laughs) All right, let's move on. Uh, Also, 2002, Catch Me If You Can. The truth is, I knew it was you. Now, maybe I didn't get the cuffs on you, but I knew. People only know what you tell them, Carl. Well, then tell me this, Barry Allen Secret Service. How did you know I wouldn't look in your wallet? (laughs) The same reason the Yankees always win. Nobody can keep their eyes off the pinstripes. The Yankees win because they have Mickey Mantle. This is a fun. This is a fun. I this is a, this fun, is a fun movie. movie. I actually haven't seen this one, but this is the, this is the, out of all the ones I haven't seen of his. This is the one I want to see most. It's a fun, fun movie. It is. It, I would. I really it. enjoy this one. Um, you know, it doesn't feel like a Spielberg movie, but there's a lot of like really cool things about it. It honestly, it feels more like a Scorsese movie, just because of the way Spielberg. <laughs> No, it's not. I don't think it's. I, I, I see it more as a Soderbergh movie. It feels like a Scorsese right. movie because I, it's got Leonardo Leo DiCaprio. But no, the way the way it's structured, the way it runs, it feels more like a Soderbergh movie to me. Right. Like I more like an Ocean's Eleven yeah. type of. Yeah. That's yeah, fair. Like a, like a heist movie, yeah. 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 Um, but I've, uh, the scene, I've seen some of the scenes between, like, between, him, uh, between Leo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks, and those are some really. Real, especially those are two. On, those those are two actors at the top of the when, when they're on their phone talking to each other. Yeah, that is a really well yeah. done scene. And Tom Hanks's accent, while a little cartoonish, actually kind of works. Yeah, yeah. I love that. that there's that bit in the, where he's in the car with those guys, and like you need to lighten up. You need to lighten up. Yeah, I can tell jokes. Oh, go ahead, tell us a joke. Knock knock. <laughs> Who's there? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Uh, Christopher Walken. Oh, that's right. People tend to forget that he's in this because he was nominated for an Oscar for it, but people don't talk about him anymore. Yeah. Wow. He's nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And just being the dad that really believed in his son. Yeah. Wanted to believe everything, and it killed him that his uh, son essentially was a, you know, a con artist. A true true life con artist. Yeah. Um, No, I really enjoyed this one a lot. The music in this is some of Williams' best because it's so different. Yes. From a like Minority Report, one of the things I do remember from watching Minority Report in the theater was the soundtrack sounded exactly like the Attack of the Clones soundtrack that I had heard three weeks before. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, is he just mixing these things now? Yeah, he kind of was. Yeah. yeah. All right, moving on. 2004, another one of my least favorite Spielberg movies. Never Don't really it. need to get into it. It's The Terminal. Another another Tom Hanks Tom Hanks movie. It's there. It's not particularly special at all. That's what I hear. All right. 
Moving on, 2005, War of the Worlds. Another Tom Cruise special. This one's actually pretty... I, I really like this one. This movie stands on one scene alone, and it's the scene when the aliens first attack. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that scene is... And only, inc- because it, only because it's got a Mustang in it for me. For, God for me. damn it, Joe! <laughs> it's not just a Mustang, it's a Shelby yeah. Mustang. This this one is an interesting case because I mean it, it's it's obviously the first Spielberg movie that started production after 9/11. Mm-hmm. So that's the feel that he wanted to get with it. Uh, there's a great bit in the documentary where they're showing Tom Cruise looking in the mirror afterwards and he's patting off all the dust and realizing those are human remains that are Oh, that's right. Because you you remember they're using the I don't know if they're using them as fuel, but you, you see them suck up, and all of a sudden you see, you, like, being going through a, a, shri- a, a chipper shredder. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, because no. no, when the aliens first, they're using that heat beam just disintegrating people. Right, yeah. but, then, but then there's also the other scene oh, where you're yeah, going yeah. to the farm where you're seeing the humans getting sucked up, and all of a sudden right. you just see, like, this spray. Yeah, right. like the red vine yeah. things. And that was, I mean, that is a very intense scene. The rest of the movie... Is not a good movie. It's it's fun. His character's a jerk. He's being oh, unnecessarily yeah. antagonistic to his son. Unnecessarily so. But uh, Tim Robbins, that's a fun character. I just had I had a lot of difficulties with that too, and that's just because he's just such a kook. And then the end, the payoff at the end. Well, do you see? Because this is the Morgan Freeman narration. Well, I mean... What do you see? We had the germs. And they didn't realize that. Even though they lived underground all those many centuries. You, 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 realize, it's, you realize it's the same, it was the same way with the 1950s Right, exactly. Movie. But the thing was, they didn't show that. an 80 book. Yeah. They didn't even show that. It was just like, they just had Morgan Freeman. Hello, I'm Morgan Freeman. The movie ended because everybody got germs and died. Good night, I'm Morgan Freeman. So you're you're complaining about a book that's 120 years old? No, I'm complaining about how they decided to wrap it up just by like, you know, we don't get to see them defeat the aliens at you all. You never do. In every single interpretation of uh, War of the Worlds, you never see the aliens get defeated. I would like some kind of payoff. That was no. you, payoff via narration was not a good idea. Books are different. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Two thousand five. The only reason why uh, young Jews get laid at, at nightclubs anymore is because of Eric Bana in Muse in Munich, and and Daniel Craig, and Daniel Craig. Well, yeah, but this is every if you've ever seen the movie Knocked Up, yeah. you have to thank Eric Bana. <laughs> so all the Jews in this club are getting laid because of Eric Bana in Munich. <laughs> Munich is one of those movies. First of all, you forget it's a Spielberg movie because right. it's, it's it's different. It's much different. It is different. There, there's a, I mean, with this one, and they show this in the documentary as well. Yeah. The bombing scene and how intense that whole thing was. Yeah. And the fact that the the movie does not does not have a, a neat ending. No, it doesn't. Well, that's whole, the whole very, thing doesn't. It's have based any. on a true story, yeah, and it's the just true story does not have any. Right. Ending. The Israelis just. I mean, the way really they, lost their souls over that. The way yeah. they took out the assassin—I mean, the, the assassinated each one, yeah. yeah, one by one, cold-blooded, dude, just murder. Dude, yeah. the, guy, the guy with the groceries, yeah, yeah, and they just shoot right through it, right, over uh, and over again. Oh. Yeah, it's one of those movies where you you're kind of confl- in a way in a in a way it's kind of conflicted. It, it basically it's basically telling the story of these people that um, in order in order to avenge their people and to show that they're not going to be messed with right they have to become what they're fighting against right right exactly um this is such a 
It's it's a beautiful looking movie. Yeah. But it is again, it's one of those movies. Watch it once. You yeah. never need to watch it again. Nope. Yeah. Um. All right. Next up. Now we're getting to the for me my least favorite Spielberg movie. Oh God. Two thousand eight. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I think I made it through the first like thirty minutes, and I'm like, um. I saw it in the theater. This was our first I, date movie after Scarlet was born. I uh, saw this in the theater as well. Oh because my it's God. a Steven Spielberg movie with Indiana Jones is hey, back. Indiana Jones well, is was, back and better than ever. Oh God, no, no, no! Shia the Beef. Shia the Beef. This he is so wrong on so many levels yeah. for this movie. He yeah, doesn't yeah. fit. He's playing Sam Witwicky, but in Indiana Jones time. Yeah. And Karen Allen is kind of ineffective as... as She's Mary. there. She's there to carry carry the second to third act. Yeah. But that's about it. I mean, they, they hired so many great actors to this movie. John Hurt. John Hurt. Roy Winstone. Yeah. Kate Blanchett. And they're all squandered. Big time. Oh, this... This is... This is Honestly, this is the movie where not even Spielberg could tell George Lucas, uh, no, we can't do that. No, this we is, shouldn't do that. Yeah. Do you and think we should like, do this? No. no. We shouldn't, but we're doing it anyway. Uh, I really think we should do it right that yeah, way. It's, 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 I it's, want it's, the it's monkeys funny. to swing. I don't have an issue with the aliens. <laughs> it's just the whole like Shia LaBeouf and they're the, just... The, the movie as a whole is just... It, it, if, if, look, any movie, look, if, I can, if I can accept... The Ark of the Covenant, right? And some guy getting his heart pulled out while he's still alive. Then the aliens aren't going right. to bother me. This movie feels more like it. Out of all of these movies we've talked about so far with Spielberg, this is the movie that feels like it was made by committee. Yes. Yeah. This 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 movie was just squandered moment after squandered moment after squandered moment. Yes. There is there there is a kernel somewhere in that movie of a good good action adventure movie. Yeah, that it just is pissed it away. Yep. All right, let's move on before we anger the blood anymore. Two thousand one's War Horse. Haven't seen it. Never saw it. No, haven't seen it. Autumn and I saw it in the movie theater because it got nominated for best picture. We had a lot of friends recommend it. It is boring as fuck. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, Two thousand eleven also gave us uh, his his only animated feature. I really like this. I one. enjoyed this movie. The Adventure oh, of yeah. Tintin. I really like this movie. I love this movie. I, right. I watched it again um, last last week, like, right. Uh, right before we did our. The, uh, the I've, I've watched it like three times already because my kids like it. Right. Uh. This movie, honestly, out of all of the mocap movies that uh, Zemeckis and he were doing. Mm-hmm. This is the only one that uses the technology right. Well, because well, it, it doesn't try and make them realistic. Right. right. It, you, you, if you look at Tintin, I mean, he looks very much like he does in the in the in the yeah. comic strips. <laughs> right. You right. Know? Exactly. Same That's the, the best captain. use for this. this. Right. Exactly. And any circus is Captain Haddock. Oh, is yeah. so it is, fantastic. Perfect. Perfect. Don't you get it? We failed. Failed. There are plenty of others willing to call you a failure. A fool, a loser, a hopeless souse. Don't you ever say it of yourself. You send out the wrong signal. That is what people pick up. Do you understand? You care about something, you fight for it. You hit a wall, you push through it. Um, yeah, and I cannot wait for the sequel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Peter Jackson is eventually gonna do Eventually, it, yeah. 
The beauty of these movies are they take next to no time, you know, in the scope of an animated film to direct and yeah. make. Yeah. So, I mean, it is it is a very enjoyable movie. Um, I think for this movie, part, if I hadn't took any issue at all with it, it's the fact that they really, the marketing for this movie made every, made you feel like you needed to know this character already in order to enjoy it. And you I think... You didn't really. Well, it was the movie itself. You, you, you're fine. Your, your introduction to the character. Hey, if you took Madame Bertel's French class in high school, you know who Tintin was. Which I didn't. Okay. I took oh. Russian because I'm an idiot. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, from from like seventh grade to like ninth or tenth grade, I I spent like three hours at the Concord Library every day, every school day. Yeah. I read through every single Tintin yeah. book. Every French class. He's right. either reading Tintin or Gaul the, or Asterix the Gaul. Oh, I read those two. <laughs> and I watched the cartoons, too. Oh, okay. All right. Let's move on to the next one, uh, which is... Um, Actually, first, how, how perfect were Edgar Wright and um, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost? Oh. You couldn't have gotten anyone else as Thompson and Thompson. Nope. You couldn't have. Nope. It worked. All right. So Julie Murphy calls the next movie Lincoln... Uh, her favorite Spielberg movie, an excellent portrayal of my favorite president. It really captures true essence and shows internal struggles, not just his victories. Have you seen Lincoln, Mike? I have never seen Lincoln. Joe? This is once. another one I, I, I would like to see. Um, it's tough to say that this is a good Spielberg movie because this movie is all based on Daniel Day-Lewis's performance. Well, that's the, the, it. That is the scaffolding that holds this movie That's the thing with any... Daniel Dave Lewis movie. It's all about it's him. It's all about him, exactly. Yeah. So it's I mean, very he, tough. He, he, there he, will be blood. Yeah. He he is he owns his presence owns any movie he's right. in. Well because because he's that kind of actor. Right. Method. Yes. Damn method actors. <laughs> he I mean but so with that said though, it just doesn't feel like much of a Spielberg movie. No. Well, Even you, in the historical aspect of some of these other movies we've already talked about, like Amistad or Private Ryan, or Color Purple. Or Schindler's List. Yeah, Schindler's List, exactly. There's not a whole lot there to lend it to the Spielberg oeuvre. Right. Yeah. Like I said, it's it, it's a it's a Daniel Day it's more of a Daniel Day Lewis movie than just a Spielberg. Right. And that's what and that's what everybody talks about is his performance. Well, yeah, I mean actual... it, it got them both an Oscar. Right. Look at him an Oscar. Didn't get Spielberg an Oscar. I thought, I thought he did win best. No, no, that was the year that Ang Lee won the best director. That was the year of Argo when Argo was nominated for best picture but not best director. Oh, that's right, and Ang Lee from one for best of uh, Life of Pi. Life of Pi, yeah. Eh. Eh. Yeah, you're right. Um. All right. So moving on. Next one. Now, now here's an interesting tie that ties uh, Lincoln with Bridge of Spies, which came out in 2015. <coughs> this is the only two movies where Spielberg directed an actor to an Oscar. Oh, that's right. Uh, Mark Rylance. Yes. Who? Mark Rylance. Won Best Supporting Actor in 2015. He, he was the spy. Okay, I, I, don't, I haven't watched The Bridge of Spies, so... Oh, okay. All right. What other... Has been another movie? Because that's not a familiar name. Um, Mark Rylance is, is now his, his new go-to guy. Yeah, yeah. Actually, in this list, the he's next in... Movie will ser- be- yeah. Um, he's done a lot of, of work. He's just... You know, he's a guy in his 50s who's now just become up-and-coming... As an actor. Okay, now I know. Now I know. Did you watch it. Wolf Hall? Yeah. Did Diane watch Wolf Hall? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He was Cromwell in that. I know. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Um, I I haven't seen it. Like um, Bridge of Spies. I've I've seen a lot of clips from it, but no, yeah, never, never seen the movie. All the way and I'm assuming Joe hasn't seen it. Nope. I, oh. I, I've heard mixed things. Yeah. 
Everett's good, just not one of his more powerful efforts. Right. It's also his return to working with uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah. So next up on the list is 2016's The BFG, which we all know stands for The Big Fucking Giant. No, it's The Big Fucking Gun. Okay. Doom players will know what I'm talking about. Yep, I've not seen this. You are really because I know your daughter loves the book. She and I think Diane took them to see the movie, but I myself have not seen it. This movie was actually uh, Spielberg's least grossing movie. Yeah, which is kind of surprising. um, It it was a I think financial flop. It came out at a bad time of year. First of all, it was a Christmas release. Yeah. Um, you know, Rogue One had just taken a unsuspecting oh, yeah, nation right. by storm. <laughs> um, it is by no means a bad movie. Uh, this is this is one of these hybrid mocap and um, live action. and live action movies. It just there's something about it that feels off. The special effects in this movie feel off. There's a lot of good intentions in the movie. Mm-hmm. Some of the humor doesn't work. Especially towards you've seen it, right? No. Yeah. Okay. I'm the only one who's seen it. Though. I've heard that there's like a lot of like fart jokes. There are an awful lot of fart jokes in well, it. There's a lot of fart jokes in the book, right? But there are. It just it takes for, you off for, guard. We're all doll books, so. right? Yeah. The majority of the fart jokes take place in the third act, so they're not really all that welcome after everything is all said and done. Yeah. It's it is a fine movie. It's a it's a good attempt. Um, I don't need to see it again. My kids don't clamor to watch it all the time, so... Yeah, it, it, it's just, you know... I, yeah, I, I'm sure it's a fine movie. I just... I it, I, don't, I just don't care. It, it's... Yeah. Yeah. I got nothing to say because I haven't watched the movie, gotcha. so... Are your kids crumbling to see it again? No, not really. No. All right. My kids' attention span is nothing, so... <laughs> <laughs> all right, so 2017, last year, brought us another Best Picture nominee, The Post... I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I want to see it. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah. I've heard generally positive, but, you know, some mixed. This is one of these movies that, out of, like, his later serious movies, got a lot of support early on. And this is, like, one of those critics award, you know, like, those critical year-end award winners of best movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it stars... Tom Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep, yeah. Which generate... Which actually... I've... Heard that Dave they've generated a lot of buzz was Tom was a performance of Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep right Meryl Streep is another one like Dana Day Lewis whenever she's in a movie she is a it automatically becomes an, a, it's a, all a, her though yeah yeah so all right so let's move on to one that Joe has not seen the final movie on our list I literally like, and just I saw it yesterday. We're going to keep this... You can spoil it for me because I don't know if I'm going to be... Okay, I love it. We still need to kind of keep it spoiler-free as it is because people who are listening to this might not have seen it. Okay. That is Ready Player One. I love this movie. I was so underwhelmed (laughs) by this movie. Again, I love this movie. This is fun... This was... For me, this was Spielberg getting back to form. This is the Spielberg I've been wanting to see for a while. Okay. My thoughts were it felt like it's not a movie that Spielberg would have directed, but more one that he would have produced. Ah, nah. (sighs) All right. So, uh, we did have some feedback. I'm not reading it, by the way, because I'm not getting this fucking argument with Nick. No. All right. Um, I, I'm I'm annoyed that I had to get into it, but right. I had to get into Julie it. Julie Murphy said it's her least favorite movie as a standalone movie. Yeah. It was good, but the graphics were on point. But it doesn't do um, the book 
justice. See, everybody that, uh, that I hear is like, oh, well, the book is so much better. No, yes, here's the thing. Which is, here's here's the thing. It's kind of funny because if you, if you hear Catherine talk about the book, doesn't she, like, hate the book? She's, she's listened to it on audiobook twice. I have read snippets of the book. It's dog shit. It's the kind of book, like, when I was in college, I used to read an author all the time, Brady Sinellis. Brady Sinellis wrote Lesson Zero, yep. The Rules of Attraction, and American Psycho, to, to name a couple. Oh, yeah, those are very low-brown books. Oh, they? no. The, the books were, I thought, were well-written at the time, not realizing that essentially what it was was name-dropping, and uh, if, if Wikipedia existed back then, it would have been a Wikipedia page of, of pop culture references. The book of Ready Player One is a, a list of pop culture references wrapped in a very, very thin story where the main character is kind of a jerk, and Ernest Klein is writing him through a, a very, very heavy shroud of toxic masculinity, masquerading as being a sensitive dude. Ooh. The funny thing is, uh, Julie says that this movie doesn't give Ernest Klein as much due credit. Ernest Klein co-wrote the screenplay. Right. I don't know what she's talking about. The movie, the book is not a good book by, by any like, literary standards. I don't know. I think I'd probably enjoy it. Um, the, the other thing, too, is a character of Artemis in the book is a size 10 with a giant port wine stain on her face. <laughs> well, they... Which, they Oh, no. Don't say that. Oh, they, they emulated that. She was a size 2 and barely had, like, a little blemish on her face. That she hid like she was a monster. Yeah. And then Wade is like, you know what? I'm good. I'm good with you. I'll live with it. <laughs> what a hero. What what happened to your soul that made you so funny? <laughs> What where, what happened to all the joy and fun and in your life? I didn't want you to believe that they were attracted to it. No, all right. Mm. Here's the thing with this movie: I can understand why people like this movie so much, but I wish for one minute that they tried as hard to give you more compelling characters and a story that I didn't. You know, I would at least maybe doubt myself a little bit in terms of the overall outcome. And no doubt how the, how that movie was going to end. I wish they put as much thought into that and effort into that as they did all the fucking pop culture references. I didn't feel like I was watching a movie. I felt like I was having a conversation with you guys. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. You you focus too much on the pop culture and the fact that the pop culture... They don't give you a choice not to, pop, though. But the pop culture flows with it. It's, it's part of the movie. It is part of the... It's the, the Oasis. My, it is part of the movie that you can't avoid. Part of my issue with that, though, is just... And again, I'm not trying to argue the movie more than my, my point of view of this. Is that, first of all, apparently there was no pop culture created anytime between now, 2018, and 2047? Uh, 2045. 2045. Well, the, no, because everyone was in the Oasis. Every, the entire time. Yeah. And nobody decided that they wanted to innovate or create music or create any, anything on their own. Everybody no, 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 just lived in the Oasis. My, no, that's the whole point of the movie. Wait a second. My understanding is that the creator of the Oasis is basically one of us. Yeah. So that's his, yeah. that's his point of reference. That's his point of reference. That's, that's the thing. The movie is his story. Right. 
But the only thing that ha- that's that's the story of the story. The, the 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 issue I have with it is that people lived in there so long that they don't move on at all. Exactly. Yeah. That's I, the point of the movie. Right. So in other words, is that why like society doesn't like the where Wade lived looked like it was a shithole. And that is what I would expect the entire other area to work, look like. And it didn't. People Just have like, jobs. People go to school. People interact with other people before they, you know, drop out and go to the oasis where they spend all their time. Yeah. That means that nobody has innovated anything. Nobody has innovated music at all. Everything just li- resides within a 40-year time frame of 80s and 90s and early aughts pop culture references. Yes. It just, it didn't feel... Well, that's it, why you missed the entire point of the movie. Okay. For me, the entire point of the movie was don't miss out on your own life. This yes. is... Alright, go I th- ahead. I think that... Okay. A better movie or a better series that does VR and real, you know, real you reality. You say Westworld, I'm gonna punch. No, Sword Art on- Online. I think that would have well, been yeah, a better way to adapt. That's also like a like a three a three hundred episode anime. No, well, 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 the, initial, three, the, the three first seasons. season, the first se- adapt the first season into a movie would be possible. But I think that does you a better. Seen the other animes but that they turn no, into have, live action no, movies. Did you see Dragon Ball Evolution? Oh, God. I saw that movie in fears, thank you very much. It was dog That's shit. That's your fault, not mine. I, I had hopes, and it was terrible. I just, I wanted the movie to be more than its trailer. And I didn't feel like it ever ascended anywhere beyond what the trailer showed me. Well, that's your problem. Yeah. I saw a lot it is my problem, and I'm going to live with it, because I just, I did not care for this movie. Oh, bother. <laughs> Kira's bike was in it. I know. And so yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and also <laughs> the, the was awesome. Also, the Michael too. Bay Turtles. Yeah, yeah. They did show up in the... In the because movie. if I was going to pick my avatar... I, I'm sure there's some... Like, it wouldn't be ten, the 1990 ten, teenage, I mean, Yeah, movie. exactly. I'm, I don't I'm think sure, they had the rights to them. I don't I'm think sure LJN some, gave them those rights. I'm sure there's some 10-year-old kids out there that would love to play as the Turtles in a movie. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, sure there's some kid out there who would love to play 10-year-old Anakin, okay? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm gonna take this kid. No, no, you can't do that. Lucas's lawyers are on the phone. Hey, now this is pod racing. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised they didn't use the Tron cycles. They they probably didn't have the rights to them. Disney wasn't gonna give them the rights to that. Yeah. I, I'm I'm surprised at how many things they got the rights to. To be honest, most of those were within the Warner shell, the Warner and I know, like the Alien thing with Fox. I'm amazed they got that too. Hmm. But like Buckaroo, there's a Buckaroo Bonsai reference. Yeah, there is a really cool Bonsai. And it's just like <laughs> it was cool too. I don't even like Buckaroo Bonsai. I thought the reference was cool. It's like, do you really? Did you really watch that movie, or did you just say? Well, someone's like, oh, you know, I love this movie, and you should too. And don't watch it. But here, use the suit. <laughs> it was a fun. I movie. just wanted it. I just wanted it to try harder. It was so. Much I fun. really more. did. So much fun. I want more. Unfortunately, in three weeks, we're getting more. I want. Right. I want to see this movie again. Oh, well, it'll be on Blu-ray in no time. <laughs> All right, and that is our epic Steven Spielberg. I can't believe it was before edits an hour and a half. That's astounding. That so is. anyway, um, next episode we we should have out by May the fourth. 
So it is our annual riff of Star Wars, our second annual Star Wars riff. Yay! And this time we'll be talking. We'll be doing the Empire Strikes oh, Back. In two years we'll be doing Phantom Menace. Yes, we will be. Oh. <laughs> Beard face out. <laughs> well, I actually feel better or, about that than in the three oh, years' just, time. Well, we just skip it completely and just go to the. We uh, could just do the Wakens. other ones. We could. Force Awakens, Roll One. Oh boy. So anyway, um, really not taking many uh, many suggestions on that one because that's all that's all stream of consciousness <laughs> for the movie we've seen a thousand times each. Um, but if you like this episode and want to get more Geek Salad, you can check out our entire archive at uh, geeksalad.podbean.com where you can download the app. Your app you can also get the show on the iTunes uh, app store as well as the Stitcher app. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at Geek Salad Radio. Follow us on Facebook at Geek Salad Podcast. And if you have episode suggestions or any other feedback, you can email us at geeksaladradio at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our YouTube page, yeah, which actually, is Geek Salad. Yeah, we did a companion piece to this episode. Which eventually will come up. Oh, that's right. I'm yes. still working on it. Yes. Yeah, I'm still working on the editing for that. And um, yeah, so we're actually, we did a, a companion piece, which hopefully will be up either before or around the time we, we do this, uh, talking about our favorite John Williams scores in tandem with the Spielberg yeah, movies. Yeah, uh, very Spielberg-Williams <laughs> collaborations. We discussed six, but we actually have ten, oh, yeah, ten movies we total. We did an honorable mention with that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, until next time, I'm Andy. And I'm Mike. And I'm Joe. Go forth and be nerdful. We'll talk to you soon.